This is the Dogs on the Hill podcast with your host, Reeves Fisakerly. Good afternoon, good day, good morning, good night, wherever you are, what time, whatever time it is. My name is Reeves Fisakerly. I'm your host of the Dogs on the Hill podcast. It is Sunday, April 2nd, 2023, and I have a guest with me today. A friend of the show, back for another episode, Diego Spielman. How are you, my bud? I am wonderful. Super happy to be back. I'm glad to have you back. So, going ahead and going right into it. March Madness, the championship game is set tomorrow night. So, Monday, April 3rd. We will see San Diego State take on UConn. And is San Diego State a nine seed? What are they? They're a fifth seed, if I'm not Oh, mistaken. they're a five. Okay, they played the nine. So we have a five seed Aztec team taking on a four seed Husky team. And Diego, I don't know about you, um, but I was very wrong. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I we were, um, Reeves and I were out at dinner when the Elite Eight was happening. And. FAU and Miami obviously got through, and so we were like, oh boy, like let's get a South Florida I, yeah. final. Like, I had been trying to speak it into existence probably since, yeah, after the Sweet 16, South Florida final, baby, FAU-Miami, but we were close. We were close. Uh, yeah, one point off and then a convincing one for <laughs> UConn, but yeah, close. No, but definitely from a prediction-wise, I had Arizona winning one bracket and Gonzaga winning a different one. We all know how Arizona went. I was pretty descriptive about that on an episode of this show a couple times ago. Um, and then, yeah, Gonzaga just pulled a Gonzaga, I guess. So Yeah, no, I, I remember when we were making the brackets, I told Reeves as well, I was like, don't pick Gonzaga. Like, they're not going to win. Like, I, I, as, like, a fan of Loyola Marymount, like, I know Gonzaga's not going to go that far. He's like, no, nah, no. Nah. Like, I was I got feeling this. it. I thought it was Timmy time. I thought it was going to be a Timmy <laughs> victory in his senior year, but it wasn't. Um, I said this in the last episode, but I was by myself. I want to ask you this, if you didn't hear it. Is this the craziest March Madness ever? Like, we always talk about there are upsets in March Madness, but I feel like this year was the most, at least that I've ever remembered. Like, this is crazy. Yeah, I mean... I would say, of course, the year that UMBC beat Virginia yeah. definitely had it for a while. But then you had Farley Dickinson or whatever, FDU. Mm-hmm. They do the 16-1 to upset. Then you have Princeton, which you never see Ivies go that far anymore. And so they went pretty far. Then you got no number one, number two, or number three seeds yeah. in the final four. Yep. First time ever. Which, uh, ouch, because I had Texas winning it all. <laughs> but... Yeah, no, this is definitely the most exciting. I think for for uh, CBS, they're a little upset that there's no big names in the yeah. final. But I was thinking about that. So first, I wanted to touch on, yeah, I think UMBC over Virginia is still the biggest single-game upset of all time. Like, that's still the standard. But tournament as a whole, the number of upsets in this one has just been insane. But what you were saying about CBS, I was thinking about that. Like, surely this has got to hurt them more than it helps in terms of viewership numbers because your national championship game, you can't advertise it with Kansas, North Carolina, Duke, Villanova. It's okay. UConn, I don't want to bring them down too much, but UConn and San Diego state and like your final four this year, which was really cool to me was UConn who has won four titles, but then you had San Diego state, Miami, and FAU, who none of them had ever been to a Final Four before. Yeah, so. no. Uh, 
Uh, we, when we when we were at the dinner and the final four was set, we were like, oh, CDS is not going to be happy. not going to like this. I mean, like, I think for their sake, like, the South Florida final not happening makes them very happy. Oh, because for sure. Then it would have just been Fort Lauderdale and Miami celebrating the game, and no one else would have really cared. Uh, UConn, de- uh, not, excuse me, CBS was definitely cheering for UConn. No questions asked. Oh, yeah. the, I don't think they could have cared on the other side, but San Diego State's probably the better one for that. Because, um, you know, SoCal's huge. So I mean, yeah, UConn's got the history, but it's not a blue blood. Yeah, right? Th- right. No, that's what I was just saying. Yeah. All right. So yesterday, San Diego State, FAU. Fun fact, San Diego State did not lead in the entire game until the buzzer beater. Their game-winning shot was the first time they took the lead. And that final score was 72-71. to 71. That is wild. Yeah, I remember we were... Um I got the notification for half, and it was like 40 to 33 FAU's winning. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, okay, like this will be exciting. And I misheard you. I thought you said that was the final. Which was- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, yeah, low-scoring game. No, and we're leaving uh, where we were, which we'll talk about later. And I'm like, and I'm like, oh, my God, like San Diego State won. And Reeves is like, oh, that's exciting. I'm like, on a buzzer beater. <laughs> it's like, holy. Yeah, that was really cool. Um and I, this game actually, they put up more points than I thought they would because San Diego State is the best defensive team left in the tourney. I thought it would be another uh, another game like the Creighton one where it was in the mid-50s. So they put up a lot more points than I thought they would. Um, but this appearance by San Diego State in the title game, uh, like I alluded to earlier, definitely unexpected. This is their first Final Four, but they had also never made it past the Sweet 16. The Mountain West as a conference has never had a team in the Final Four. And San Diego State does not have a single recruit who finished in the top 100. That is insane. Yeah. I mean, this is a beautiful Cinderella story. Now, number five seed, so we shouldn't have doubted them that much. But going this far mm-hmm. is absolutely insane. And if you watch the buzzer beater, I, there was a screenshot I think CBS posted. The dude was centimeters from being out of bounds. Oh, really? Like centimeters. Like it was so close for him to be stepping out of bounds before he popped back in and shot the mid-range for the win. So he stepped a little bit more out and FAU would have been in the final. Mm, man. All right, so shifting over to the Huskies. Um, well, they never trailed. Uh, the very opposite. Uh, they won 72 to 59, which is pretty dominant. Um, fun fact, this is their fifth straight win by double digits. They are the only team since the this not this year, since the NCAA tournament turned into 64 teams. UConn this year is the only team to ever win all of their games by 10 or more points. Man, they are. They're killers out there. It's pretty convincing. They're killers. I said this in the last episode, too. They were second in point differential with plus 14. Here's, a, here's a th- another stat. They are undefeated with 16 wins this year in non-conference games, and that margin of victory bumps up from 14.4 to 24.7. Oh, my God. UConn offense is ridiculous. Ridiculous. They 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 know how to score. And you uh if you look at the first half or second half, it was thirty seven to twenty four going into the halftime. And then you I'm I'm not gonna say UConn didn't try, but like thirty five thirty five isn't very UConn like after 
blowing them out that first half. Well, I don't know. I mean, they basically even split. I think, if anything, that's just Miami tried to make a comeback. Yeah. Like they did against <laughs> Texas. It worked against Texas. It didn't work against UConn. Sadly, it worked against Texas. <laughs> but I said this in my preview. I said if Miami wanted to beat UConn, they could not play the game the same way they played Texas. Because I didn't think Texas was a team that you could just go down by 10 points and come back and win. That's crazy. That's impressive to Miami. But I knew for a fact my, UConn is not a team that you want to do that with. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, UConn, once, you, once they get the lead, they're holding on to that, and they're adding on to it. Heck, yeah. Texas gets the lead and tries to hold on. And, oh, boy, watching that Texas game hurt. Hurt me. <laughs> so I, I expected, I was hoping for a similar result for UConn. Miami couldn't do it. So one thing that I think will be really cool for this championship game we have the number one defensive team left in the tournament in San Diego State. We have the number one offensive team left in the tournament in UConn. Best offense, best defense. I normally preach that defense wins championships. More often than not, I am talking about football, though. <laughs> I, look, I want, I want this to be a good game. I want San Diego State to stay in it. But I feel like UConn has the potential to just absolutely throttle them. The the current matchup predictor has UConn with 74% chance of winning. The spread is UConn by 7.5. And, and the money line is minus 360 at UConn. Um, I would definitely pick UConn to win this game. What do you think about the spread? Are you going to bet it or are you going to take the spread or are you going to go against it? I'd, I'd take the spread. I would too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like... Defense definitely wins championships in football. Mm. But, and like, if you go back to the 90s basketball, defense wins championships. I still like defense. Yeah. So. <laughs> but, oh boy, basketball has changed. It, yeah. is, it is very much an offensive game now. Very much so. And UConn is just, I think, it's not like it's a good offense and a good defense. It's the best offense and the best defense left. And I just, UConn... I just think UConn is lethal. That's the word I used to describe them in the Final Four preview. UConn is a lethal team. And, uh, hey, if you like superstition and stuff, they're in Texas. Uh, they're in Texas. Yeah, in Houston. In Houston. They have won four, three of their yeah. three of their last – three of their four th in yeah. Texas. So Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it will be exciting. And, of course, obviously, the best defense. But let's – Take a little trip back to UMBC, Virginia. Yeah. Virginia, best defense. UMBC, 16 seed. Who won? 64 UMBC. seed overall. Yeah. yeah. And then you got Virginia. I always bet against Virginia in the in March Madness. <laughs> ever, ever since that, it's like they always have the best defense, I swear. But they just cannot win those games because they're such a defensive team. If the, if the opposing team is just feeling good that day, they're not going to score as much of them. The best thing that San Diego State can do in this game is try to get on the board early. And when I say get on the board, I mean take the lead. Like if you're San Diego State, you want to be in front and just hold on to it as long as you can. Yep. So March Madness concludes tomorrow night, Monday, April 3rd at 9.20 p.m. Eastern Time on CBS. Check it out then. Major League Soccer is underway, has been for a couple of weeks now. But Diego and I decided to make the venture to Exploria Stadium last night to watch Orlando City SC take on Nashville SC, where the hometown team, Orlando, took a big L, 2-0, and Nashville takes the win. Prior to that game, 
In the Eastern Conference standings, Orlando City was in third. Nashville was in fifth. Now that that game has concluded, Nashville is still in fifth, but Orlando City is in seventh. Both teams have played six games. Nashville is 3-1-2, and two, and Orlando City is 2-2-2. Two, two, and two. Diego. It was a fun game. We, we met a guy there who's also an Orlando fan. We had fun interactions. Um, game was dominated by Orlando. I mean, I'm going to be purely honest, looking at the stats, 18 shots to seven for Orlando. Possession was 65 to 35 for mm-hmm. Orlando. Passes, Orlando had 231 more passes. They're, they were 11% more accurate on their passes. They had more corners. They had eight more corners than Nashville, but Nashville just took advantage when they could. First goal by Fafa Picot was Henny Mukhtar gets fouled, immediately places the ball down, kicks it up to Fafa, and by the way, in the stadium, I think no one really knew what just happened. Yeah. Like, it was pretty silent. Like, no one was celebrating. Or obviously, because it was Orlando. But, I mean, the Nashville fans weren't even celebrating because they didn't know what happened. But we scored a quick goal there. It was such a weird series of events because he goes down at midfield. I mean, I think, did a whistle blow? I don't know. But people just stopped moving. Like, players weren't running anymore. The crowd went quiet. And then all of a sudden, the ball just goes in the net. Like, goaltender looking up straight at the sky at the ball just watches it go in the net (laughs) yeah and then quickly after that we had a a goal called off for offsides after halftime and then we scored another one Henny Mukhtar MVP from last year of the MLS Mm -hmm. scored his first goal of the season super exciting for him but yeah it was a game where Nashville just took advantage when they had their opportunities Orlando dominated they had some great shots but I think it was a, in the end of the day, a deserving win for Nashville because they just took advantage when the defense broke down. Yeah, and you say Orlando dominated, and I want to clarify that. Yeah, on the stat sheet, they totally did. But what's the most important thing in sports? The score. So, <laughs> uh, but looking at these advanced like match stats, I shouldn't really be surprised just given the last two years where I've been paying attention to Orlando City. They dominated on offense. 64% possession, like you said, 18 shots, 6 on goal, 10 corner kicks compared to 2. But where did they fall short? Defense. That's what they always do, without fail. I don't know what it is about the defense, but I can promise you, as soon as the 80th minute hits, that defense like has a curse, like a Cinderella curse <laughs> or something. I don't know. Like it's That is like the, like, the clock stri- striking midnight. They cannot play the last 10 minutes of the game. Uh, and so like if you look at the saves... I know Nashville had less shots, but look at saves. Nashville 6, Orlando 1. Yeah. No, and uh, I mean, Nashville has always historically been a great defensive team. They, uh, one year, Joe Willis led the league in clean sheets. Mm. So the team is historically very well on the defensive side. I mean, we have the defensive player of the year, a guy who plays for the U.S. men's national team in Walker Zimmerman. So they are very well capable to hold up in defense and this is a sport where defense could win championships defense definitely matters um it was a very dirty game (laughs) five five (laughs) yellow cards um let's just say a lot of the whole stadium was mad at fafa picot it was getting pretty testy yeah um yeah there was a lot of i think it was 26 minute yellow card for nashville 27th minute yellow card for nashville 28th minute goal for nashville so it was a very chaotic first half for (laughs) nashville there but yeah, no. Exciting game overall. It was a very fun game to watch, even if you were an Orlando fan. Obviously, I can't speak for that. But the <laughs> stadium was, did was very involved. It was. It was a 
look, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who you were going for. It was good soccer. Yeah. So it's always. I think it's more fun when a hometown team wins because you get to be more immersed in that like environment environment with everybody else. But good soccer. It was good soccer. You can't be upset with that. Yep. Uh, MLS season is pretty much just started. Like I said, most teams have only played five or six games. Uh, but as it stands right now, Nashville and Orlando City would make the playoffs, for, at least for the first round. I think they played each other in the first round last year. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yes, I did. believe Orlando won first game, and then they proceeded to lose instantly yep. uh, and then the next <laughs> game. So uh, maybe both of those teams will have a better chance this year. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, current standings, Nashville is pretty much in the middle of the playoffs. Cincinnati leads the East, leading the West, St. Louis. Yeah. The brand new team in the yeah. MLS. Five and, oh, five and one, actually. They lost. But... Was that a loss or a draw? No, it was their first loss, but they okay. started 5-0. and They're now 5-1. and 15 goals for, 5 goals against. That's the best goal difference in the West and in the East. It's the best in the MLS right now. There you go. Okay, St. Louis is doing what the Vegas Golden Knights did in, what was their inaugural season, 2017? I think it was 2017. Yeah. 2017 or 18? I believe it was 17 because they made the final that year, and that's when the Caps won. Yeah, I believe that's 17-18. But all that to say... The Vegas Golden Knights like completely reinvented what an expansion team could do, uh, not just in hockey but in sports, because that was crazy. First year ever as a franchise, you go to the Stanley Cup final. You, I mean, you, lo- you uh, excuse me, you lose <laughs> in five, uh, but you still won a game. Uh, nobody expected you to do that. And then Seattle comes in 2020-2021, and I mean they didn't do that, but they definitely didn't blow up like everybody thought they would. And now you have St. Louis and soccer, who is the best team in the league. Yeah. What is going on? Uh, what what is expansion teams? What is happening? I thought uh, they were supposed to be bottom feeders for like three or four years. Dude, they just know what to do. I mean, don't ever remind me about the Vegas Golden Knights. They took Mark Andre Fleury from the <laughs> from Pittsburgh, yeah. yeah, expansion draft. Hurt hurt me, but no. I am not to go too far down that rabbit hole, but I am still shocked that the Penguins chose to protect Matt Murray instead of Mark Andre Fleury. Don't I feel eat. like if they could go back and do change that, they would completely change that. Yeah, that that was a very confusing pick. I mean, at the time, it made sense because Murray was younger. I mean, Murray's younger, yeah. But we didn't expect him to fall off that much compared <laughs> yeah. to Flurry. Is he even playing anymore? Is he? Not? I think he's at Ottawa now. Yeah, I know he's not in Pittsburgh anymore. He moved around a bit. I think he was at Toronto for a bit. Oh, he's at the. Oh wait, no, that's Tor- Flurry. He's, he's on the Maple Leafs now. Okay, yeah, and, but he did play for Ottawa. Yeah, and then Flurry's in the at the Wild now. That's crazy. Yeah, these guys moving around. <laughs> All right, didn't want to go too far down that, but MLS season has started. We got to experience. The second game of the year, actually. So uh, that was fun. Yep. So I don't know about you, Diego, but I keep seeing these posts, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, wherever. They all say top blank, usually five quarterbacks in the AFC. And I see faces that I agree with. Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, well, we'll see what happens there, but as things stand, Lamar Jackson. And then I see Aaron Rodgers. Now, if Aaron Rodgers were on the Jets or on a team in the AFC, I would agree. He probably would be a top-five quarterback. And I do understand that he, quote, intends to play for the Jets. And I do understand that we are assuming Aaron Rodgers will be in New Jersey next year. But I would like to remind the entire world 
Aaron Rodgers is still on the Packers roster. <laughs> I just need to get that off my chest. He does not play for the Jets. Yeah, okay, first off, Kenny Pickett, top five AFC. Oh, Secondly, bold of you to say New Jersey. Third. Oh, well, okay, that's what stadium is. Sorry. Well, <laughs> yeah, so I, I also agree with you, but New Yorkers. I right. didn't mean to start anything. I was just saying that's what the stadium is. <laughs> Anyways, continue. Uh, third, yeah, I mean, I saw the exact same list you saw. I remember seeing this, and I was like, A-Rod, okay. And so I Googled, I was like, is Aaron Rodgers on the Jets? No, no, he's still in Green Bay, still contracted to them. They're still holding on to him. They fully intend to play Jordan Love by the looks of it. Yeah, that's what I've heard too. But yeah, and I we've talked about this before where uh, you think the Packers have the upper hand in this trade. Yeah, they I think totally that, do. When I think the Jets do. Okay, let me explain this first. The Packers totally have the upper hand in this situation because you can say all you want, oh, he wants to play for the Jets. Oh, the Jets want him to play for him. Oh, the fans. Oh, the analysts. This, that, and the other. The Packers do not owe anyone anything. Like, it does not matter that he wants to play for the Jets. Like, he is still contractually bound by the Packers. And yes, they want, we're hearing that they want to go on to Jordan Love. But if they don't think that the Jets are giving them enough, they have no obligation to trade him. They have all of the upper hand in this, they have all the power in this situation because they own is not the right word, (laughs) but they have. Rodgers is right. They can keep him. Like They do not have to move him. Okay, so here's where I stand with this. I think the Jets have the upper hand. Because A, Aaron Rodgers wants to play for them. We know that. You have to admit that does swing the Jets' favor. Okay, yes, that means there's two out of three people want him to play for the Jets. (laughs) But the person who makes the decision still doesn't have to make that decision if they don't want to. Right. Here's the second situation. You don't want that dead cap of Aaron Rodgers just sitting there. Valid, true. So that's where the Jets hold the upper hand, I think, is like you really want to pay him that much just for him not to play, just for you to play Jordan Love. No disrespect to Jordan Love, but it's Aaron Rodgers, right? So I, that's where I see the upper hand. But I th- believe when we were debating this, it was that the Jets didn't want to give up a yeah, first Yeah, so rounder. the Jets do not want to give up a first their first round pick, which let me Google it. I believe it's the 13th overall pick. Yeah. So uh, we were debating about this and I was like, well, I feel like the Jets shouldn't have to give up that first rounder. And obviously the, uh, the Jets have switched up their wide receiver core as well, like preparing for Aaron Rodgers to come in. They got McCole Hardman, which I don't know how that convinces Aaron Rodgers, but they brought in McCole Hardman. They brought in Alan Lazard. They got rid of someone. I forgot who was it. Elijah Moore that left. I believe so. Yeah, so they're clearly preparing, opening up cap space for Aaron Rodgers, but nothing's happened. Okay, and here's what I have to say about the first-round pick. If you are truly in win-now mode, if you truly believe that getting Aaron Rodgers on your roster is going to put you in a win-now mode, which I think it would. I definitely think it would. The Jets have one of the best defenses, one of the best run games, one of the best O-lines. Like They got all that. They just don't have the QB. Is keeping your 13th overall pick really that important to you to you when your other option is the Lombardi trophy? I think so. Win now mode is obviously super important. I think oh, sorry. Uh, I think uh like obviously you want to go out, you want to win now. So giving up that first round pick is a possible option. Let's look at a team that did go win now, and let's look at them now. Rams won the Super Bowl. Yep. And completely it, blew up. Yes. My counterpoint to that would be their goal 
was to win the Super Bowl that year. And did they win the Super Bowl that year? Yes. Yes. So mission successful. But is it worth sitting at the bottom of the league for the next six, five years? That could be a risk. In my opinion, no. But I'm not the one who pulled the trigger on the trade. Like, if Rams management and Rams fans see it as a win, then it's a win. Yeah. So all I'm saying is, okay, the Jets have six picks in this draft. Oh, no, you gave up the 13th overall pick. And who did you get in return? Aaron Rodgers. I think you can live with that. See, as a as a Steelers fan, the Steelers never go crazy with the trades. I mean, like... I'm not saying you're crazy. You give no, up no, 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 one no. first-round right, right. pick. Right, so this is what I'm used to. I'm used to, like, we hold on to those first-round picks. Like, and we draft... We've drafted, like, Devin Bush out in the first round, and he played really good for us for a bit. Bud Dupree played for us really good for a little bit. We got Big Ben in the first round. We got Troy Palomalo in the first round. Like, historically... We draft very well in the first round. So we hold on to those, right? So for that's why I'm saying the Jets need to hold on to that because what if that dude turns into the next guy that steps up for the Jets and when Aaron Rodgers leaves, not, he's not going to be a quarterback, but it could be like an Antonio Brown player. I mean, I get that. Like, yes, first round talent. Like, I believe I definitely did some research with this with quarterbacks. I'm, I would assume that it applies to other positions. But, yes, your first round is where most of your talent comes from. I completely understand your argument. It makes sense. But what I'm just trying to say is if you miss out on one guy, I'm sorry, but if your other option is to get one of the best, you miss out on one guy who might turn into something, and in return you get Aaron Rodgers and maybe a Lombardi trophy, I just, why is that not the more attractive option? <laughs> I do not understand that. And I, that's not me. That's not me trying to get mad at you. That's also me just like, New York, give away the pick. Like, what What are you doing? I think the other situation with that is, even if they get Aaron Rodgers, we talked about this before, I don't think they're winning the division. Or no, the, they won't. The Bills are still the best the, team. The Bills are still the best team. But they'll make the playoffs. Right. But that's the situation. It's like, our team is in a win-now mode, but we're still not even guaranteed to win our division. Now it's the Bills, so they'll fall out in the playoffs anyway. But Maybe, yeah. So well, you only have to worry about five teams, not six. I'm not, yeah, I'm, I mean, I would still guess that the Bills would win that division, but I'm not going to say, oh, the Bills are going to go 13-3 and three and the Packers are going to go 11-6. and six. I mean, they could be, who knows, maybe the Jets do win it. Like, wait, did I say the Packers? I meant the Jets. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So. No, yeah, I mean... Again, we're, we'll always stay different on this, and we'll see if that trade ever happens. Look, but. <laughs> I'm just saying the Packers hold all the leverage in this. The Packers still have Aaron Rodgers. I think, they can sit on him as long as they want. I think when we talked about this, I think the Jets had the leverage. I think now it's slowly slipping yeah, into the Packers. Come to the side. Come to my no, side. No, I'm still very much. It's, <laughs> it went from like 95 to 94. Okay. Uh, <laughs> nah, Packers own this. The no, Packers know. I think I think it'll slowly. The closer we get to the start of the season, it'll slowly go into the Packers' hands. Yeah, I don't know. I guess the best thing to watch would be what happens around the draft. The draft at the end of this month, I believe it's on the 25th. Um, yeah, so that'll be a key time to see what's happening with Lamar and maybe what happens with uh, Aaron Rodgers, too. As Diego and I are splitting opinions on the NFL draft and quarterbacks, let's take a look at some of these mock drafts. So, we're going to cite the most recent Mike Tannebaum mock draft just for this discussion, but what it does is it further proves this point that Diego and I are trying to make about the talent 
at quarterback position in this draft class. So I will go ahead and say Mike Tannebaum wrote, this article came out I think five days ago. He has Bryce Young going at first overall for the Panthers, C.J. Stroud at second overall to Houston, Will Levis at fourth overall to Indianapolis, Hendon Hooker at fifth overall to the Seattle Seahawks, and Anthony Richardson at 11th overall to the Tennessee Titans. Now, Diego, I believe you had something you wanted to say about Hendon Hooker going to Seattle. Okay, first off, I watched every Vols game last year, or, well, with Hendon Hooker, so I know very much about how he plays. And reading under his mock draft, he says, immediately he says, okay, this might raise some eyebrows. Yeah, it definitely does. <laughs> and he cites, go watch his performance against Alabama if you disagree with me, which, of course, Great I game. think excluding C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, Hendon Hooker is the third best quarterback. He tore his ACL. I don't think he should go that high. But I've also also said um, when we were talking about the Chicago trade for the fir- uh, when they traded away the first overall pick, mm-hmm. I said myself, I was like, I think very confidently, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, two best quarterbacks in the draft. I agree. Amen. I don't. I don't think Will Levis and Anthony Richardson should go that high. I think this is a situation where it was like Zach Wilson, where it was like, okay, we got to look at the third best quarterback because yeah. people are. I'm kind of screwed. I don't have a quarterback. I might need to look somewhere. I think that's what these mock drafts are doing. They're boosting up Will Levis. They're boosting up Anthony Richardson. Haven't seen much from Hendon Hooker. I expected him to go second, third round, really, at best, because of the torn ACL. Fifth overall to Seattle, who, by the way, re-signed Geno Smith. I think they hold yeah. on to him for another year and see what happens. So, okay, first of all, I agree with you. Um, I think this quarterback class is getting blown out of proportion. Now, one thing I wanted to say about Seattle, I have covered this here. The general manager of the Seahawks, he said, even if they sign, re-sign Geno Smith, this was before, obviously before they re-signed him, even if they re-sign him, they will still heavily consider drafting a quarterback in this draft class with that fifth overall pick because they haven't picked in the top 20 since like 2009. That's not their pick, that's Denver's. Um, And they were saying because they like the talent in this draft class. Now... Yes, this is a talented draft class. I think these are five good quarterbacks. But two of these quarterbacks are top 10 talent. Not all five of them. I love quarterbacks. The quarterback position is my favorite position in football. I love offense. But the best, the most, the quarterback draft class that, like, I don't know, I don't want to say was the standard, but the one where we had Trevor Lawrence. Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields. That was just in the first round. Like, that was that was a good quarterback draft class. And people are still, I mean, Zach Wilson should not have gone second overall. No. I had been saying Justin Fields was the second best quarterback in that draft class, and look where he is now. Anyways. Well, but, yeah. Well, that's where, um, that's why I'm saying, because confidently in high school, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, top two. Yeah. Then we get to freshman, sophomore, junior years. Those are still the top two. We get to the draft, and it's Zach Wilson gets thrown in. We're throwing in Will Levis. It's the same situation. I don't think Will Levis is that guy for this, but with the Colts needing a quarterback, they're going to jump the gun. So here's what I want to say about the Colts, because I talked about the Colts last week. Um, I think they should be a team that should try to go after Lamar Jackson, because the Colts have not had a stable quarterback since Andrew Luck. Since then, they have burned through Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Phillip Rivers. Uh, they had Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett. Sam Ellinger played a game or yep. two this year. Um, and all that to say, if I am the Colts, 
I am not going to sit it forth and pick Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, or Hendon Hooker. That's not me taking a shot at them. It's me saying, you have needed a quarterback for almost a decade, maybe over a decade at this point. And why not trade up to get C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young? Or why not at least try? Like, when Chicago still had the first pick, I was like, all right, they're going to trade it to the Colts, and they're just going to pick swap. Bears will pick fourth. Colts will pick first. And when the Panthers got that pick, I was flabbergasted because I was like, are they trying to get CJ? Like, I I don't think the Panthers need one of these QBs. I think they have other needs they need to attend to. But that... That being said, the point is, there. I just feel like there were other teams, cough, cough, the Colts, that need a quarterback so desperately, and what are they doing? Look, I would love somebody like a Will Levis or an Anthony Richardson to prove me wrong. I'd love that. But why are you not going to try to go? Bryce Young is the best player in this draft. Yes. Why are you not going to at least try? You know, that's all I have to say. Yeah, so um, Tannenbaum in the draft, in the mock draft, states that Will Levis has upside that reminds him of Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, wow. As He's a, big. As He's a, a big guy. Yes, so. as a Steelers fan, I've watched Big Ben my entire life. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, how much Will Levis have you watched, though? Let's be fair. Uh, well, I watched, Let's give him the benefit I of the I watch doubt. SEC football, so, uh, yeah. but like, I don't think he is a Big Ben character. Now, of course, these quarterbacks, one of them could turn into like a Dak Prescott kind of vibe, where yeah. people are like, oh, like, what, where is this guy coming from? And he balls out. I think the person that has the most potential to do that is Hendon Hooker. Yeah. And then it goes Anthony Richardson and then Will Levis. I think confidently I can say Will Levis is fifth. I would agree. I think the reason I would say that is because I think Will Levis is a better quarterback than Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson's the better athlete. Yeah, the athletic ability that Anthony Richardson has would put him, definitely places him higher in my head. Yes, and I think... I think what the Ravens might do, if possible, is try to get Anthony Richardson. If they're going to lose Lamar. Oh, I mean, they are going to. Well, they're losing. Time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think they're going to get him because then you already know an offensive system that runs around a super athletic quarterback. Throw him in there. See how that works. So let's see. In as few trades as, po- as possible, I'm still looking at Indianapolis because look at this. Indianapolis offer sheets Lamar. The Ravens accept the offer sheet. They don't match it. They accept it. Lamar Jackson goes to the Colts. Boom. Problem solved. The Baltimore Ravens get the fourth overall pick. Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, Hendon Hooker. Somebody's right there. Yep. So. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd be a Steelers fan. I don't want that to happen. I'd rather <laughs> them pick 22. And, I'm seeing some biasness clouding your judgment here. Oh, no. I, I well, No. They should, they, <laughs> they should go for the fourth pick. I'm yeah. not, not lying. Like... <clears throat> I remember when Baker, Joe, and Lamar were in our conf- our division. I was like, "Crap! Like we got an aging oh, yeah. Big Ben." Um, we still did pretty good, but no. I mean, what I'm shocked about is Jalen Carter going 18. Now I remember when we first did our little like quick mock draft, seeing like where Jalen Carter would yeah. fall. I said we put him at the Raiders, right? We put him at like seven or eight. Yeah, and so we were like, "Oh, the Bears aren't gonna get him." 18? That's really far. Like, I get tanked draft class because, I mean, tanked, like, position because of what you do. Yeah. But 18, when you were, like, confidently, like, a top two pick is 
insane. Well, and I think part of that is the CJ Stroud Bryce Young narrative happening, but I will agree in the sense that I'm fine getting caught up in the Bryce Young CJ Stroud stuff. Who's going to go? I mean, I think we can all confidently say Carolina is going to pick CJ Stroud just from what I'm hearing. But yeah, I mean, you saw the uh did you see the clip of Josh McCown? Yeah, I did. <laughs> um so I'm fine with the two of them getting the spotlight for one two. They deserve it. But why are all five of these quarterbacks? So, somebody had them going one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. I do I cannot cite it. I apologize for that. But I saw a mock draft where they went one, two, three, four, five. Why? Like I I love quarterbacks, but some of these guys are second, third round talent. By my best guess, they're all gonna go first round. They will. I think they all will. Because the media plays a huge part in this. They can boost people's uh, draft uh, stock. And a very, quarterback very high. is super important. And I guess one thing is like, I always say draft the best player available. So I guess for some of these teams, like if they, because I'd like looking at Tannebaum's draft, I don't think Tennessee needs to draft another quarterback. No, uh, definitely no. not. I really don't think Seattle needs to draft a QB. But if we're going by the narrative of you draft the best player available, I mean, if you think it's the quarterback, I guess you take it. But I don't know. This is just this is really weird because uh, I love getting caught up in quarterback drafts, but this is not one where I would say we have five first round QBs. Yeah, no, and I mean, with Tennessee and with Seattle, I think in that situation where you're like maybe we could get a better quarterback, you only do that if you it's if it's a Bryce Young character. And I would tr- and since you're not gonna get Bryce Young, I would trade down. You can yeah. get more capital. Yeah. Because, like, say you're Seattle with this fifth, I really, I really think you could try to drop to like I don't know eleventh, and Hendon Hooker would, if I was like you know in control of this draft, Hendon Hooker would still be there. Yeah, like I just, and I love Hendon Hooker, but yeah, yeah, I think he shouldn't, especially with the torn ACL. I mean, there's player, there's teams like, uh, like Pittsburgh and Tampa, and like. Um. Yeah, like Pittsburgh and Tampa and Green Bay, whose teams have blown up this offseason. Oh my God! Don't even get started on Tampa. Yeah, yeah, and like Pittsburgh lost Cam Sutton, replaced him with Patrick Peterson, but that's an old quarterback. Cornerback, uh, sorry. They'd be willing to trade up, right? You yeah. got Tampa, who's lost. Uh, they lost Brady. They lost Fournette. Yep. Uh, they lost Cameron Brait. They would definitely be willing to see a potential of trading up. Green Bay, obviously, in that huge mess with. Aaron Rodgers, as we talked about, yeah, they'd be willing to. Oh, they could maybe, get one. Maybe the Jets let's, would just comply. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'd be. Um, they would look into that, right? Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, this mock draft has uh, New York picking offensive tackle and Green Bay picking offensive tackle. I saw the New York picking an OT. So I mean, I think New York is really in a situation where it, they can really realistically pick the best player available. Yeah. However, I like just going back to the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. Aaron Rodgers is not on your roster yet. So like you're <laughs> banking your whole season yep. on Aaron Rodgers being there and he's not there. Well, that was the situation Pittsburgh was in where it was like, do we know if Big Ben's coming back or not? Like and uh if I remember correctly, the report said they literally told Ben like we'll move on from you if you want to. And he said, "I'll stay." But he took a while to say that. So for the first part of free agency, Pittsburgh just sat there waiting. And that's what New York and Green Bay are in right now. They're basically in like a, a Western standoff. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what to do. But yeah, I mean, I think there will be a lot of trades come 
draft time, and yeah. I love those. I'm so excited to see. I feel like it's going to be quiet for a little bit, and then man, hopefully we can have a fun trade like AJ Brown to Philly that we had. Oh last year. yeah, that was crazy. Oh, that I was, was I was still living in Tennessee when that happened. Uh, let Let's just say my friends were not happy. <laughs> so we will continue to update you more on the draft as we get closer to time. We're still about three four weeks away. It's that time of the day. It's the time that we conclude, and we talk about my personal, my personal favorite part of the show. The dog of the day. Diego, who is your dog of the day? <laughs> I texted Reeves the night this game ended because I really wanted to uh, hop on here and give him dog of the day. As you know, in soccer, there was a bunch of friendlies that happened. South America played quite a few games. Chile versus Paraguay, 3-2. Alexis Sanchez, two goals, kind of. We'll talk about that in a second. He is my dog of the day. So he starts the game on the bench. Uh, Chile is losing 2-1 at half. The whole stadium chanting, Alexis, Alexis. They put him in. 76th minute, goal for Alexis Sanchez. 2-2. 92nd minute, Alexis is kicking from the corner flag. He shoots it at goal, bounces off the keeper, in. Chile wins 3-2. Impressive performance from Alexis Sanchez. He's now the all-time leading goal scorer for Chile, all-time leading assister for Chile, all-time games played for Chile. So he's pretty convincingly the greatest player ever for them. And that final goal was bounced between a goal for Alexis and an own goal. Currently, he, uh, my website says own goal. I believe it was actually counted as a goal for Alexis. But yes, that is my dog of the day. It was a super fun game to watch, can't lie. So yeah, off to you now, Reeves. That's awesome. For my dog of the day, we talked about March Madness at the beginning of the show. We're going to talk about March Madness at the end of the show, but we're going to shift from the men's to the women's tournament. And I feel like it would just be disrespectful of me to <laughs> go this week without acknowledging this performance. Caitlin Clark of Iowa is my dog of the day. If you have not heard, she has taken not just the basketball world by storm. I think she's just taken the sports world by storm this past week. She's the first player in the history of the women's tournament to ever score at least 40 points in not just one game, in back-to-back -back games. Insane. In her game, in Iowa's game on Friday against South Carolina in the semifinal, South Carolina, number one seed, absolute dominant powerhouse in women's basketball. Clark, in the last nine minutes of that game, Clark somehow got on the score sheet. She either scored or assisted every single point that happened in the last nine minutes of that game. Holy crap. Looking at her tournament performance in the five games that she's played so far, she has scored double digits and points, 26, 22, 31, 41, 41. She had a 40-point triple-double. 40-point triple-double. This is ridiculous. The women's national title game is today, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. That is April 2nd. I, will, I am so excited to watch this. Oh, I, I oh my gosh. I will watch. LSU, Iowa. The line current, or excuse me, the spread is currently Iowa by three. I'm totally taking that. Yep. <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm riding this Caitlin Clark hype train right now. But uh, yeah, I just definitely had to shout out Caitlin Clark. Two 41 point games back to back. That is ridiculous. Oh, it's insane. That is, that's insane. So, Caitlin Clark, you're my dog of the day. Congrats, Caitlin and Alexis. Yeah, exactly. And good luck to Chile and good luck to the <laughs> Iowa. Iowa Hawkeyes. So, 
Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Dogs on the Hill. I hope you enjoyed, and I want to say thank you to my guest today, Diego <laughs> Spielman. Thank you for joining. Yeah, it's been wonderful, and when Reeves hops on again, he'll let you know that Aaron Rodgers is still not on the Jets. Yes, I cannot wait to hop on next week and tell you that Lamar is still on the Ravens, and Aaron Rodgers is still a Green Bay Packer. <laughs> hope to have you back next time.